Welcome to Real Black Consciousness Forum Podcast. This is Big VJ checking in. Today's conversation is going to be more of a serious one, right? Because, um, you know, we're going to talk about the village, right? We're going to talk about black folks. We're going to talk about the camp. We're going to talk about our open enemy, right? So while we're talking about our open enemy, it may kind of ruffle some feathers because we're going to have to touch on religion. And we know religion is a place that uh, many of our people go to for sanctuary. So we're going to just, you know, um, we're going to have to make it plain, beloved, we I want to dress up a lot of things, but, you know, when you have certain conversations, you really can't dress it up. You have to kind of like, um, you know, you got to kind of like tell it like it is. And sometimes with our people, when you tell it like it is, their feelings get involved because, see, when it comes to talking about their religion, the defense mechanism, it kicks in. Right. But there's no way I can really talk about our open enemy without including the religions that's associated with our open enemy that some of us may subscribe to ourselves as American Negroes. Right. So how about that? Beloved, I want to say, you know, the way I see our people is like this. Right. I see all of us in front of daddy in them house, in front of mama in them house, all of us, and we're jovial, we're having a good time, we're laughing, we're playing, you know, we are a people of sport and play, we're serious, and we love each other. But we in front of mom and them house and we having a good time. You know what I mean? We having a good time, beloved. And every now and then, you know, as we're having this good time in front of mom and them house, right? In front of daddy and them. We might tiptoe away and try to go to the neighbor's house. Other neighbor around a corner house because we respect them. And we want to have a good time with them. But mom and them is calling us saying, no, no, no. Y'all come back home. Don't, don't get out them folks yard. And you come back home. And you play over here. See, that's how I see our people. We look at folks. And we respect them. And we want to hang out with them, too. They are. Right. We think they are right. But, you know, beloved, sometimes if you just. Tune off that natural ear and you tune on the ear and you can hear mama and them speaking saying, no, baby, y'all come back and play in your own yard. Play with your own brothers and sisters. You ain't got to go off and hang out with strangers, right? You know, there's three people groups that is definitely our open enemy. The Europeans in which we call devils is our open enemy. The Jews in which we call small hats is our open enemy. 
the Arabs, beloved, who we call sand niggas, those three people groups, and it hurt me to say this, beloved, but it's the truth. They are our open enemy. So when you be around us with knowledge yourself, and you always hear us use the phrase, our open enemy, these are the people we're talking about. Your adversary. That's what devil means. You know, I know we was raised, you know, many of us, we come out of the church house and we get spooky. When you start saying devil, we get spooky and, you know, um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a dude with pitchforks and, you know, he's got the red on and now, nah, beloved, devil just means adversary. We ain't going to make it spooky for you. It just means adversary. And that means that you can like somebody and respect them and they can be your enemy because they don't feel this way about you. And oftentimes, how you, you know, um, let me say it this way. You know, the worst enemies that we're going to have is those that come out of a book. Let me say it that way, because it's going to be difficult to change them. So in other words, the American Negro, right, when black folks, when we engage and we interact with other people, many of these folks operate off of oral tradition. So they could feel a way about us, right? But, you know, you get around them long enough through the job, through the military, through sport, through business, right, through community gatherings, and they can kind of see you and you can kind of see them and they can feel a way about you. But because their feelings are just oral traditions, you can change it up because they see you real time. You can say, all right, you know, you can be around an East Indian and then they'll be, and they say, well, you know what? Black folks ain't really like that. We thought they was this way, but they're not like that. This is why oftentimes, believe it or not, beloved, that, uh, you know, when our people is around the Asian world, Japanese folks and Korean folks sometimes and these Chinese folks sometimes. See, they have oral traditions of how they relate to us. And, you know, you can kind of be around these folks long enough that, you know, they'll be like, well, you know what? These black folks ain't as bad. And then you can look at them and say, man, these yellow folks are right. You can kind of break that. Whatever that is, you can break that. See, the Jew and the Arab is different. See, they got a book. So even though they may have oral traditions, they have books that represent them through their religion that teach them how to interact with you. So no matter how, you know, you can win one generation over, right? But when it comes down to the next generation, it's going to be different because, see, they still got that same book. With that devil from Europe, see, he don't like you, not because of the book, not even because of oral tradition. You, as a black man and black woman, you represent his destruction. Sexually, you can take him off the planet. That's just real talk. Weak bones, weak blood, weak genetics. All people of color, especially the black and brown man, is going to come off as an enemy to the devil because, see, he, if he shows you too much love, it can destroy him by showing you love through interaction, through unions of marriage, through sex, because your union, his genetics is weak. Right. You, he can lose himself. He can lose his ethnic background, his identity, his whole race by loving black and brown people, because loving comes with mixing. 
and then you can phase him out. So he put us as black and brown people as an adversary to him because genetically he can't hang around. He's weaker than us. He can't engage with us. So in order for him to keep himself isolated, he created a doctrine called racism and racist behavior just to protect his genetic line. That's what the gun is. You know what I mean? He come around, I'm talking about this devil. He go to every continent and landmass, and he says the gun is the great equalizer. Well, you have to ask the devil, will you equalize into what? Equalizing to the black and brown man because <laughs> it makes them equal. You know, he can get rid of black and brown people with the gun, but we can get rid of his people through the male principle, through sex. That's his equalizer, right? Even though we know that the devil, again, is an open enemy, he's almost given up. He see his numbers are dwindling. He can barely hold on to Europe. He already gave up on America. In 40 to 50 years, he knows he's going to be a minority here. And in 40 or 50 years, he knows he's he can't even hold Europe. The Turks has taken over Europe. The Africans and the Turks, if they've been to run them out of Europe and here, the brown man and the black man, number wise, we're going to run them out of, it, out of the Americas. So he's kind of like he's throwing the white flag. He has nowhere to go. He's going to try to bend the corner and become friends with everybody. But genetically, it's just proven that he's our open enemy. And if he's not an enemy to us, even though he is, we're definitely an enemy to him. Right? The two enemies that should get underneath our skin the most, and they don't, is that small hat and that sand nigga. Because these are the two groups we respect the most because we have their religion. Now, the definition that we have for religion on Real Black Contents Forum podcast is this, beloved. Religion is the highest form of community progression. That's our definition for religion. That's it. The highest form of community progression, right? Which means nothing more but religion is culture with a deity and or a mascot to represent it. That's it. There's cultures all over the planet. But once a culture take on a deity to represent it or a mascot to represent it, it becomes religion. So when you look inside of religion, you're going to find things like customs and courtesies, arts, right? You're going to find things like What's proper to eat? What's not proper to eat? There's going to be a dietary law. There's going to be rituals. You know, there's going to be law. What's lawful? What's unlawful? All of this is going to be found inside of religion, which is inside of people's culture. And if it, again, if the culture has a deity to represent it, that's going to be religion. We're not taught that way as American Negroes. We look at religion as something different. We think it come out of the sky, but it don't. Religion comes from a small group of people and they have a birthplace on the planet somewhere through people. Small group, the groups get bigger, the groups get bigger, the groups get bigger. And then you have two sects. You have minor religions, 
and then you have major religions. And at this time on the planet, the major religions just so happen to be what they call Abrahamic religions, which means <laughs> that means black folks gonna have a tough time. <laughs> That's cold, beloved. I don't care who told you what. That's cold for black folks is going to have a tough time. <laughs> That's cold for black folks who have to choose their friends wisely. Right. And we're going we to have a conversation about that. Right. Dig. But um, that's our definition of religion. OK. Which means that it doesn't come out of the sky. It comes from a place. This is why you have the God of Nigeria, the God of Russia, the God of Kenya, the God of South Africa, the God of Brazil, the God of Israel, the God of Arabia. The people and the God of the people are one. So whatever the gods say, the people follow. Because it's the same. You can't split a people group from their God. They're, that's their deity. It's the same. So I'll give you an example. If you have the God of Arabia. And the God of Arabia is telling the people don't eat pork. Don't eat the pig. The people is going to be the representation of what God said. So if God said these are our enemies and they're our enemies. The people are going to take on the representation. Now. How we were taught religion in America is very different and unique because we was taught through our fathers, big mama and them who loved us through charity, through kindness, through understanding. We were taught religion as invisible. So when we start to read Jewish books, which we call the good book, the Bible, which is a Jewish book, we got to be very clear. That's they own it. They control it is theirs. Well, we can read the Quran, which is an air book. They control it. It's theirs. They run it. It's theirs. When we're taught these books by our people, we're taught it from a position of everybody's invisible. We don't see color. We don't see ethnic background. Reverend Biscuit didn't teach us that way. Everything is invisible. So we can read and we're trying to find out, you know, we begin to have development from a child to a teenager to an adult. And we start to read and we want to figure out, OK, well, who was the people of Gomar? Who is Magog? Who is Javan? Who is Elam? Who is Asher? And we just, we really don't know. And Reverend Biscuit taught us that everybody's invisible. So when we got religion from these folks from the East, what we got is the morality aspect of it. The proverbs of it. You know, everything is just a beautiful story. That's what we got when we looked at these folks from the East, right? When we became an adult, though, the way that we have to assume it now as an adult is we got to look at the characterization of these books because they're characters in the book. So there was a time in black folks development where we just wanted to see ourselves in these books. But where am I at? We looking through the pages. We looking through the verses. We looking through the chapters. We looking for us. Well, where are black folks at? Where the black man at? Where the black woman at? We got these books from the East. Now we're looking. As an adult, we have to learn 
the characterization of those that's in the book and then we have to identify who's playing whose character in these folks mind not our mind because the way mom and them taught us this book is spiritual and everybody's invisible and we play it on a morality basis all right we can do that if we just stay in our village when we go out into the world we have to see the books through the eyes of the characters in the book so we can see how these groups see us now like we said earlier it's going to be tricky when you're dealing with people that got an oral tradition because we don't live in these folks households so we don't know what the palestinians have said about us we don't know we don't know what the east indians got to say about us we don't know they talking in their own households so when we come out into the world and meet these folks you know they're going to meet us and we're going to meet them but it's oral we don't know what they got going on we don't have a clue it's easier to figure out sand niggas and small hats because they got a book so all we got to do is just read the book and we have to figure out the characters of the book and we have to see who's sitting in what seat in this book as far as the characters is concerned and once we do that beloved i submit to you we are going to know how to handle them because we're going to already be ahead of the game and we're going to see how they will try to handle us we can see the characters of how they strategically placed inside of the book okay so i'm going to give an example right i'm going to give an example and then we're going to go over these books from the east on a character perspective not morality character perspective because if you're sitting in this seat you have to show me the seat that you're sitting in or the character that you are and i can see the character that i am in this book and then i know how we relate to one another so like check this out if i gave you guys a novel if i gave you guys a book and the name of the book is um new jack city the novel new jack city right all right now if we're going to have the novel as a screenplay and you say you're going to play nino and then somebody else's character is g money we know through the book okay the character of nino is this person he's the boss he's running the show he's going to beat everything through all odds right but this character is going to have this in the end but the character of g money he's going to at one point of this play he's going to be on the rooftop he's going to be begging for his life from nino and then nino ultimately is going to take his life because g money ultimately is going to end up being the enemy of nino that's the book that's the novel now what we do is we get caught up because i'm gonna make this make sense in a little while we can't get caught up over who's nino look it's nigerian nino look the chinese guy's a real nino though look no the real nino is from brazil the real nino is from no we can't get it caught who's sitting in the seat is nino that's what we need to see in this play and then who's sitting in the seat of g money because we know how they this is going to turn out now anybody that sit in the seat of nino is going to act this way anybody that sit in the seat of g money is going to act another way but this is how this play gonna play out because this is how it is in the novel i give you another example because everybody didn't see new jack city right how about that um many of us from a certain age we all seen scarface okay so we got the novel we got scarface the novel somebody is playing tony montana now it's not for us to argue who's the real tony montana he's cuban he's puerto rican he's chicano he's the black american 
he's Chinese, he's Korean. Whoever plays Tony Montana is going to have this role in this book or this play, right? Whoever plays Manolo is going to have another role. No matter what ethnicity we make Manolo, that's a different seat. He's going to have to play out another reality. We know at one point of this story, Tony is going to be one way. Manolo is going to be another way. And Tony eventually is going to kill Manolo because Manolo was running around with his sister. That's how the play goes. It's our job not to try to figure out the morality of the play or the book or the novel. We need to figure out who is playing what character in this book. So we know who going to do what and who try to who going to try to play this game and who going to try to play that game. So if we're playing Manolo, we know eventually reading the book, Tony is going to play this way towards us because we're the people of Manolo. But if we're the people of Montana, we're going to look at the people of Manolo another way and say, well, eventually, yeah, we're going to you're going to come halfway through this ride with me, but we're going to get rid of you eventually. Right. All right. What are you saying, Big VJ? I'm saying this. When you read the Jewish biblical text. Right. And I'm saying, beloved, these folks is our open enemy. You have to read this book, in my estimate, as an add on to figure out. What character is playing what? Because the small hat is the Jew that walk around today. He's sitting in the seat and he's playing the character as the Jew. So if we read the biblical text, well, black man, black woman, what is your character then? Is African in the book? No, he doesn't call you African in the book. So where am I at when I when I go into this book? Show me me. What is the character that he have for me to play in this book? And I submit to you, beloved, he called our people Hamites. He's calling our people the sons and children of Ham. And when you look at the characters of the Hamites all throughout the book, they're the enemy of him. They're not the friend of him. They're the enemy of him. Now, I know when it comes to we start talking about religion and Bible and we start talking about ethnicities. We got some brothers on the corner of every inner city and they're saying, look, I'm the real look as a as a the real Hebrew. I was the real Israelite. I, that's me. That's I as a you know, this man is really black. You know, the Messiah is a black man. And as a the book says, hair is this and his hair is that. Right. We, we get that. Right. OK. When you come out of that and you walk outside in the real world. Who is the person that's sitting in the seat of Jews, Israelite, and Hebrews? It's not us. If we come to the village and you want to play, uh, eyes of the character, eyes of the lead character, eyes of the uh, Hebrew, we're like, okay, you can. We hang around each other. We the original people, brother. You can play any role you want to play around us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, I mean, hey, during um, what's what them devils call that season? Uh. Irish Day, where they, where, uh, black men and women, they put green on St. Patrick's Day. If it's up to hell, if you want to, brother, you can play, you know, you can be the biggest black Irish guy and do, it's, it's all, you already named O'Neal, your last name already O'Malley, so if you want to just play these characters, you could. But I'm just letting you know, when you come into the real world and we out the village, people are playing roles. Your open enemy is playing a role based on the book. And he got your character based off the book he got. He got a character for you already, beloved. He called you, you're the character Hamite. 
Now, you all you have to do is dig through the pages and figure out, well, what is Ham in his book? What is the Ham character? Because he got the semi-character. He's playing Shem. He's playing Shem and Shem children and the so-called uh, European, the white man, the devil. He's playing the son of Yefeth. So in this in this novel, in this book, the black folks, man and woman, I don't care if you're in Africa or the Americas or you're in the Asian world, the title that he had for our people is Hamite. And you're going to notice all throughout the beginning of this book, all Hamites and the children of Ham is his enemy. It's in the book. All right. So I'm going to give you some examples. How about this? Because we're going to pick up on some of these because we was raised in the church house. We know. You know. We respect this man. I'm talking about black folks. We respect these small hats so much so that, you know, we love Israel. There's a special place in our heart for Jews because Big Mama gave us their religion because she got it when she was in the fields. You know what I'm saying? The so-called white man gave it to her and then she gave it to us and she gave it to us differently than how. He got it. She gave it to us out of love, right? So out of respect for our mothers, daddy and them, mama and them, we name certain religious houses in our neighborhood after them. After their cities. Right? You can come to our neighborhood and you can see Bethlehem Missionary Baptist Church, Galilee Church of God in Christ. Right? We can see um, St. Peter's missionary baptist church and the rock faith apostate we got these these in, in our villages we name our children after their greats not our greats their greats so there's nothing to come to our village and we name david and matthew and there's mark and john's and luke's all around there's peter's all around we got brothers named isaac and hezekiah all around caleb is all around Right. Joshua's is all around. We respect these folks. Right. But when we open up the play. And we read the book. They're sitting in one seat and beloved, you're sitting in another seat. And then that seat comes out into the real world. So if you don't know why black men are in Hollywood, you got all the homosexual roles. I'm going to show you why. If you don't know why black men got all of dysfunctional roles out of Hollywood, I'm going to show you why. Because we don't control Hollywood. The small hats control it. But this role is for you because this comes from you because we got the novel. And that was your role in our book. Right. I. Hamites. That's black men and black women. If you follow that line through the book. You look at the relationship that you have with Shemites. That's the Jew. Right? Okay. Canaanites, Hittites, Jubasites, Amorites, and a bunch more. These are all tribes and people groups that came from Ham. These are black folks. Right? You'll notice soon enough that all the enemies of the children of God, which is them, is you. We just talking about the book. Now, the reason why you're the enemy is because you you are the most gayest or homosexual liking nations on the planet. So they got to get rid of you. And you having all this wild sexual stuff and you following idol gods and they got to get rid of you. But either way it go, 
the way that this playwright is going, these folks got to get rid of you because you're an enemy of God, which is mean you're an enemy to them because they're the people of God. See, they can't be your friend. You're the enemy. The only way you can be a friend to them if you submit yourself and follow them and follow their religion and their ways and their culture because something is wrong with you. Because you love false gods. This is you, black man and black woman. All right, so I'm going to give an example. The first time the planet had a city that was burning with lust and homosexuals was a black city. The name of the black city was named Sodom. And Sodom had a neighboring city. The other city was called Gomorrah. So through our childhood, we grew up saying Sodom and Gomorrah. And we say God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because they was living wicked. And then they was living wicked. And then we go back and we say, well, who was the character that played Sodom and Gomorrah? They were black folks. Sodom and Gomorrah was the children of Ham. These is black folks. They had to get, they had to go. Who was the first ruler that come from Ham? It was a man named Nimrod. Nimrod built the kingdom and the name of the kingdom he built was Babylon. And Babylon is a representation of a Negro kingdom. It was wicked because a black man built it. It was wicked. There's a lot of other reasons they're going to throw on top of that. But so every time you see the character of a wicked person, man or woman or nation, that character was played by black folks. Now, whether these people really existed on planet Earth, that's a different story for a different day. But the character that they got them is you. Ham is you. When you say African, that means you are Hamite. So when you're reading the stories that these Jews are writing saying, well, they use a phrase saying the land of milk and honey. They were talking about a land that black folks lived on called Canaan and they had to get you off that land so they killed you off the land but we in our you know in our innocence we don't know we're reading these stories because the way mom and them gave us the story and Rev and Biscuit gave it to us see everybody was invisible and we was just taught the morality of the story we didn't put people to the characters when you become an adult and you put people to the characters do you say well wait a minute this guy's talking about me See, when you when you just a youth and you don't know and they come along and these folk tell you about the story of David and Goliath. See, they don't. Our people is going to give it to you in the invisible form. Goliath was just a wicked man. And then the little shepherd boy come out of there. He come out and he take a little sling and we're rooting for David to win. And he wins. He throws some rock and hit buddy in the head to do 10 foot. He kill him and take him over i think he cut the guy head off the whole nine and we're rooting go david go but we don't put no people to the character we just read the characters we look at the morality game all right now you leave the village you come into the real world now the small hat he has a character behind these people and i'm hoping i'm making sense to y'all beloved the character that plays the people is you you're goliath because goliath is a philistine and the philistines are the children of ham which is black folks so no matter how great in stature that you are as a 10 foot black man, if he just got his God in a rock, he can defeat you. See, everything, if you kind of put it in a certain kind of context, it's about defeating you. That's what see, that's what the promised land is about. We're rooting that these Semites go take over the promised land. And we say, wait a minute, the people that live on the land is you. 
this black man in our village, right? Whose name is Hezekiah. And Hezekiah is you know, one of our most popular gospel singers out of the village. His name is Hezekiah Walker, right? Hezekiah is a man <laughs> that he needed more uh, land for his sheep and his pasture. So what did he do? He seen some Hamites on the land. And the books say they was ancient. They was peaceable. Talking about the Hamites, that is. And he said, but Hezekiah, he destroyed them utterly so he can have more. So we don't know. Now, that's just the story. In these stories, we don't know if these people are real or not. Now, we don't know that part because we can't find no tombstones for these people. We don't. Whatever they say they built, we never seen it. You know, the most miraculous things go on in this book. The snakes can talk and everything. We don't see none of that. But when you step back and say, well, who's playing the character of these books? It's you always the enemy of the people of God. But where is God? The people is the God. They're the representation of God. So you're the enemy to them. These folks is your open enemy. But it's coded the way you get it from Mama and them and Reverend Biscuit. It's going to be coded. When you look at Babylon, even on this podcast, when you hear me use the term Babylon, I'm describing a wicked nation, right? That do things for wealth out of wickedness. The historical context with that is that Babylon is a, this is a black nation. When we hear about Egyptians through the Jewish biblical text, the Egyptians was a wicked nation. But when you see where well, the Egyptians are the children of Ham, Babylon are the children of Ham. These are the nations that they're, they're all wicked. But you built the wicked nation. Sodom and Gomorrah is your city. It's not their city. That's Hamites. That's your activity. Right? Okay. When I start looking at women, the personification of a whore through the eyes of a Semite, of a small hat, is a representation of a person called Jezebel. So we use this term to describe loose women. Now, in our village, we get it as the morality game. We're not putting faces or characters to the name. But when a small hat is using the representation of Jezebel, that's you. You're the loose woman. You're Jezebel. You're Delilah, who was the woman that was with Samson. And you tricked Samson and cut his hair off because Delilah was the children of the Philistines, which is the children of Ham. Jezebel is the children of the Phoenicians, which is the children of Ham. Moses married a black woman and he was ridiculed because it was improper for these Semites to do that, right? And then you look at the children that they have of promise. There's the children of promise. There's the children of greatness. So Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael was put away but his mother was a black woman. He was put away. He was still able to make a great nation. But Isaac, because he married his own, the promise stayed with him and he had a greater nation. Right. All right. If you think that was a fluke, Isaac jumped up and he had two sons. One was named Esau. The other one was named Jacob. They was twins. The promise went with Jacob. Right. Because Jacob ended up marrying his own. He had 13 kids, 12 sons by four different baby mamas, four different women, but they all was other semi-women. Not Esau. His brother lost his birthright and ran off and married black women. So we could make an argument that, all right, the underlying message is don't marry a black woman. 
Don't marry a black woman. If you do, you can still have a good nation. But if you want to have a great nation and great nation of promise, you got to have that through your own woman. Now, we don't internalize like this from the village. We we all because we're taught to everybody's invisible. We're just looking at, you know, <laughs> we looking at this through the eyes of mom and them and mom and them going to give it to us through charity, through love, you know, through kindness. This, this is how we take it. And Reverend Biscuit, everybody, the Reverend Biscuit is invisible. He don't. But see, when you come out of that and you go to another world, his world. The small hat world. He is he's no he's putting people in the kit. You're playing these characters. You're the Jezebel. That's your woman, not ours. You're the Jezebel. Your woman is the Delilah, not ours. See, he's playing that game. Oh, Joseph went into uh, Egypt and, you know, uh, Pharaoh's wife was Pharaoh is the cold. Pharaoh is cold for black man, black king, because Pharaoh came out of the house of Ham. And Pharaoh's wife is a black woman. She seen this Semite, this Jew boy. She wanted him so much. She uh, made a sexual advance at him. And he ran off and she accused him of something. And see, you're going to get it one way. They're getting it and they're reading their book as it's an ancestral book. And they have to look out for you because, see, you, your ways is not like their ways. You're different. You need to be saved. You need a savior. Oh, we got a savior. He comes out of our line, not your line. He comes out of our line. He's going to come out of their line. And I know our people will come back and make the argument. Well, we the real this and we the real that. But beloved, you're missing the point. Who's sitting in the seat of this play? Because we in the we the world, the stage of the world is a play. We're acting out somebody in his play. This is his book. See, the one thing that these Arabs, man, the sand niggas and these small hats, they got in common. They got a dietary law, right? I'm, I'm going to give you a real example of how this thing going to shake out. They have a dietary law. They don't eat pork. They don't eat the pig. It's a filthy beast, right? Okay. When they have this rule of no pork, that's their rule because, see, the sand nigga is looking at his people as the children of God. And the small hat is looking at his people as the children of God. They can't partake into that. It's not good for their health. Now, you as a black man and a black woman, just genetically, that pork and stuff, it really ain't good for your health. You know what I'm saying? You walk around with gout, hypertension, right? Um, you, you have arthritis at a very young age because your diet is not worth shit. As the brother, um, Dr. Wallace Muhammad would say, you eat meals three times a day, plus snacks in between. Right? It's what you do. You know what I mean? And it's all bullshit. And the majority of the stuff that we eat is unnatural. Sugars, Kool-Aid, sodas, all these products that these devils make. Right? So our people is, we lead in sugar, we lead in hypertension or diabetes. Right? Let me correct that because that's what we say in the village. We say sugar. We call it sugar in the village. Right? But this is diabetes. Um, we lead in all kind of STDs, right? Um, we're leading in all kind of heart disease because of our diet, right? If your open enemy wasn't your open enemy, you wouldn't be leading in this because you would take after the nature of him because he have a dietary law and these things that he doesn't supposed to touch, he couldn't touch it so he couldn't sell it to you. 
So by default, you will have a good system, a good diet because you you're buying from him. You know, many of our people, we don't own grocery stores. We eat after the devil have a supermarket, after the small hat have a supermarket, after the sand nigga have a supermarket. We eat behind them. They control the marketplaces. We used to have the funds, but we don't. But that's a different story for a different day. In any event, the small had to sell you pork. Now, he can't touch it because in his book, the character that sits in the seat of being a children of God, they don't eat that. But the strangers and the foreigners and the heathens, they can eat it. That's you. So that's the character you play in front of them so they can sell you the pork. You see what I mean? See, the Arab, he come over, he can he comes over to the Americas. He don't he not going to eat it. He is said it to you because that's the character you're going to play in his world. See, it's not about your world. We you, we can play that, man. I'm the most, you know, you ever get me around religious Negroes. I mean, they're entertaining, but I can stomach them because they're my people. And I'm like, we all in the village together. So we can play this role. You can play all this spiritual stuff with me. And I can see you shouting and falling out and all that. And it may be a little entertaining to me, but it's OK because you're my brother. You're my sister. It doesn't bother me. You know, you you caught something. You this the organ player. He got something going. The drummer got something going, and you just electric. You're rhythmic people. You just act the way you act. All right. When we leave the village, though, no, this is not. Uh, it's different. He we're in the devil's world. Everybody is playing a character in his world, and you got to know what character they got you down as. Cause see, this is the audition. The real world is the audition. Now, the heathen, the stranger, is you. That's your role in his world. You're his open enemy now. He can sell it to you. Now you want to do what? You have a passion for acting. And you write a script. And you save four or five villages in your script, right? You save 10 single mothers. You know, you restore the life of five or six black males. He's not going to fund that script. You got to write a script to him, that small hat, and bring it to his studio. And, okay, he takes a look at it, and you just brought him New Jack City 2, Boys in the Hood 2, the sequel. You know what I'm saying? Men's Society on Fire. You know what I mean? You could, <laughs> you know, he's going to fund it because that's the character you play in his world anyway. See, this is how come Megan Thee Stallion is going to get the record deal. You know what I mean? How many black women you see from the nation of Islam or with a, a sound uh, a sound set of awareness get record deals? They're not going to get a record deal. He can't see you that way. You're a heathen. You're a stranger. You're a foreigner. So when you come to him and you want to be making a stallion, you want to twerk all day and follow. He's going to give you the deal. He's going to put you on the biggest platform because he see you. That's the character you play in his book. That's you. You want to see why so many black men is homosexuals on TV and everybody got a dress on? Easy, because in his book, you're Sodom. You're Gomorrah already. See, this was in your nature from the beginning. Now, in the real world, you could make an argument that, you know, most black nations from the Africas to the Americas, I don't want to say like we're the most anti-gay people, but kind of like we, we're the most anti-gay people in the real world. Doesn't matter. Not in his book. You had the first gay city, the most popping gay city. You with Sodom, beloved. You are Gamora. So yeah, I'm going to give you the gay role. Put the dress on. Because this was your nature anyway. I got it in the book. That's your character. 
Yeah, you can be a hoe for me. You're Jezebel. That's the character I got in my book. You're going to play that well. Put that on, uh, Nicki Minaj. Put that on, Lil' Kim. Yeah, yeah, put that on, Megan. I don't care how half-dressed you are. Suki with the good coochie. That's the new artist coming out. Suki with the good coochie. And you look behind these record labels and you see the small head is sitting in the seat. He's Now, your people is not sitting in the seat of Hollywood. Your people is not sitting in the seat of these record labels because they wouldn't get the deal. You're not going to sign sisters twerking and have naked. Nah, man, because that's your sister. You're going to put some clothes on your sister. But if you go to somebody and to him, you're a stranger, foreigner, and heathen. God damn it, you can do whatever. See, you're taught morality. He's not taught morality. He's different. So if you have a, a person that comes amongst you that says he's sent to you and he comes with the doctrine that says the black man is God, the white man is the devil. See, he just shook your world. He just shook your world. He just told you the black man is God. Now you have to ask him because you was sitting in the other man's seat for so long. You say, well, if the black man is God, what does God mean? And he tells you, God just means power and force. There is no morality attached to God. God just means power and force. Anybody can be a guy. Well, who's the devil? The devil is a devil by nature. He was made weak and wicked. And then he showed you. So now it's different. Damn, you look at these folks different. What that did was put you on the same stage as them. Because, see, these small hats and these sand niggas, they already had you on the stage and they had a particular character for you. Again, if somebody come along and teach you black man is God, white man is the devil. Now you look at everybody different. You put them on a different stage in your mind. Now you say, nah, he's my natural enemy. He's my open enemy. He's the adversary. I got to watch out for him. So when I'm around him doing business, I do business different because through his book, the character that he has me playing, it's okay for him to take advantage of me through his book. Because, see, the commandments that these two guys get, it was for the protection of their own people. The way we read it, it was for the protection of humanity. It's not. No, he's not playing that game. So, in other words, when this small head come down and tell you that his guy came down and told him thou should not kill. They was just talking about each other. It wasn't talking about you because chapters shortly after that. The very same person, the being that came to them and told them that they should not kill, told them that the promised land, hey, y'all can go into the promised land and get that. But they had to kill the Canaanites off the promised land. He didn't. It wasn't like no tornado came and just washed the people away or some rain came and flooded the black folks off the land. These Semites said that they was instructed by God to go kill the black man and black woman, i.e. the Canaanites, off their land. And then take everything that was already on the land that was a possession. They just took it over. What you going to do with the women folk? The Semites said, hell, when we go and kill these black folks off the land of Canaan, we can keep the women that's virgins. The rest of them, we got to get rid of them. All right. Now, let's do. Let's make a little pivot. How about we do a little pivot? All right. How many of y'all ever walked up and seen a whole group and race of people? Women. Just do it in your mind. Right now, how can I tell which one of these women are virgins or not? I can just look at them and tell them I know the difference. I don't know the difference. 
I got to sleep with him first. So in other words, the Semite was saying when he went into, because this is his book. This ain't our book. We just read it. When he went into the promised land, in other words, promised land is cold for where black folks live at. That's your land is his promised land. But you don't deserve that land. So he didn't come and tell you and I, his guy ran off and created a whole new land for him. No, the guy that he say he served gave him a land that you was already on. <laughs> he got to move you off the land. You know? And then he's saying, you're acting like this. You're acting like that. You're wicked in your own land and you don't deserve it. So I got the right to the God given right to move you off the land and take over it and keep the women as virgins. But I don't know which women is virgin. So I got to rape the women first and whatever, which one I don't deflower, I got to kill them. But after I sleep with them, if I deflower them, I can keep them. Now, this is the, this is what this man told you. See, you can't see, you can't see that. Cause the way we get it in the village, I got to keep stressing that. See, thou should not kill me. We don't kill nobody. But we're the only people playing don't kill nobody game. The devil don't believe it. He believed I should not kill and he started a new war every other year. Sometimes twice a year. The small head don't believe it. He uses the devil. See, let me show you something, a quick relationship, right? I'm going to show you why these small hats and these devils are so close. See, the small hat is his financial arm. He's the one, the small hat, that go in the back of the room and he create the financial schemes. But see, these money schemes don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing without a gun. He don't have any gun factories. So he play cozy next to the devil because the devil loves war. He loves killing. He loves making weapons of destruction. So he play with him. There's nothing that back money. The only thing that makes money worth anything is the gun. So back in yesteryear, See, if you didn't pay your debt, they can take you to jail. So because that was the see money. Money doesn't work without monopoly, jail and the gun. It doesn't have any value because you can't trade the money in and go get gold. You can't go trade the money in and go get silver. It's not there. Nothing endorses money. So that's the relationship between the small hat and the devil. The devil is the is the physical arm, the gun. He's the might. He is the bully. And he just the brains. He come up with the financial schemes and then they go into the world and they act as such. Right. The sand nigga had to kind of play things cozy because he's not necessarily cool with the small hat, but he understand he got the respect that the small hat is cool with the beast. So there's some respect. You know what I'm talking about? And they have to all kind of because, the, you know, sand nigga got the resources that the devil is using at this time. Right. And then, you know. The small hat is not necessarily cool with the sand nigga, but they respect each other because they live in close proximity. But the thing that make everything work for the small hat is, again, you got to keep it. It's the devil because he keeps the guns. Now, it's time to go out and make money. Who are we going to pimp and make money from the world? Well, we have commandments that protect us from each other that we can't necessarily do things. You know, the sand nigga can't take advantage of his old group because of his commandments. The small hat or the Semite, he can't take advantage of his own group because of the commandments. And then, you know, when it comes to that devil, he's a free for all. So how do we make money and we take over and we make this work? They have to play on the black and brown nations of the planet, i.e. the black man, because he's easy accessible because he's walking around from Africa to the Americas. He's all around all kind of resources. He's the target.
the problem is our people is walking around. We don't know we the target. We're the target. We're the spores of war. We're the promised land. If you just look around, around the whole planet and you just look, the whole planet is a force. The only part that's worth anything is Africa in South America, for real, for real. In South America, what I've been trying to explain to my people, South America and Africa was just one place. <laughs> I don't care what broke off. It was just one place. So this is where you get the most fertile ground at. That's the promised land. Now, the man already showed you in his book what he did to the promised land before when you had it. And what do we say? History repeats itself. See, until you understand this, you will never understand why your people are like they are in Hollywood. Because that's their role in his book. That's why anytime our people come out of the record industry or the recording industry or whatever you want to call it. The only people that run that people is the small hands. And every time our people go into that system, we make millions and millions of dollars for the institution and the industry of the recording business. But we walk away with nothing. But that's supposed to be your brother. See, y'all got the same book. See, I don't listen. I got to share this with you, beloved. You got to be careful of a black man that's going to join himself with other folks behind the book. Especially a book he did not write. He did not publish. He can't change it if he wants to. He don't own that book. I'm weary of these kind of black men. Because that's not your book. It's okay if you believe in it. And we play this game in the village. I, I don't mind you playing this game. Because we are our mama and them, mama them run the show anyway. So she really going to. Mom and daddy them going to really tell us what to do. And we got out. But we going to ultimately do how they tell us to do. But. If this guy think he got something in his heart that these folks wrote, then that we got to be careful of that kind of man, too. Because he think he can join himself with them. He, he doesn't see he's the character in the book. He thinks that book is just as it fell out the sky for him, too. This guy, you know, many of our people, they'll run way to Mecca once a year to walk around a, a joint with some sand niggas. That they looking all in the sky and they bumping their head five times a day. They love Mecca and all this old kind of. You know what I'm saying? Many of our people are buying plane tickets to go to Jerusalem and they take me to Bethlehem and take me to. <laughs> All right. It's fine that you do that, beloved. Let me show you the, the character that he got for you in the book. Now you're going to see what he think of you and you think of him and he's going to pass this round from generation to generation. But you don't have a book, black man and black woman. You freestyling it every generation. You're freestyling it. So since you got his book, wherever he act like he like it, don't like, you got to act like what you like or don't like. You got to follow him. Whatever he say he ain't cool with, you got to say you ain't cool with. But he got a dietary law. Oh, that junk that he, he doesn't eat that junk that you eat. He'll sell it to you. Oh, but he kind of kicked it to you different. He told you you can pray over the pork chops and eat it. You know, you can eat the pork chop, pray over it. You want to go get you some scavenger food? Pray over it. You want to get you some rat? Pray over it. And you can eat it. And you've been praying and you've been eating it. And you go look at the numbers from the medical journals about you and your folks and you're leading everything. So much for the prayer, huh? But baby, that's a different story for a different day. Black man and black woman, you better open up your eyes, beloved. 
You ain't got no friends. American Negro, you ain't got no friends, man. You're the spoils of war. You are the people that got the green light on. I can sell you anything. I can take advantage of you. Because this is the character I can. You're the stranger. You're the heathen. You're the idol worshiper. You're not sexually mature. It's crazy, beloved. But you know, a new day is coming. Because we're waking up to a lot of stuff. But if you don't know you got an enemy, I mean, there's not much that we can teach you. You don't know you have an enemy. He got the green light. He can take advantage of you. You know what I mean? Just think about the stuff that we put in our mouth. Black man is leading in prostate cancer. Because the devil said it's okay for us to drink milk. Now, truth be told, black and brown people, we can't drink milk. We can't really process it. I mean, I'm no doctor, but that just the numbers is there. We can't process that stuff. Right. But that's okay because he's going to market it and say, well, the milk is good for your bones and all this, all of that. And then you're taught that all human beings are equal. We all won. The devil pulled you to the side and said, we all bleed red. He hits you with the we all bleed red speech. And that possum bleed red, but that's okay. That's not your brother. You may think that possum is your brother, but he got you in the all oh, we bleed. We all bleed red speech. So you try to eat what he eat. And it makes strong bones for him. He get the vitamin D out the milk. You don't. But because it's good business, he's not going to sell it to you. Because what these devils is good at is first they sell you the problem, which is the milk. And then milk is going to deteriorate your bones because you got a different set of genetics. You're black and brown. And ultimately, if you're a man, by the time you're 50, black man, brown man, they have their finger up your ass by 50. And they're going to feel for that prostate because they know that milk. Is it, but they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to tell you that because you're the spoils of war. That small hat, beloved, he used to um, he used to own a lot of supermarkets, but he, he let it go. He changed his hustle and he got into real estate, right? And um, he got it so slick now, you know, back in the day when, when Mama and them was coming up, that small hat, he would come to um, to the neighborhood, Goldberg, Goldstein, Weinstein. He'd come to the neighborhood in Detroit, New York City, Chicago, right, Indianapolis, and he would pick up the rent. You know what I'm saying? You'd be working hard. You, he made the, he'd overprice the stuff so you can't afford the property, and then he'd go in the back door. And he'll create a financial system where you can go get a house, right? But you're never going to have enough money for the house. So he's going to break down payments for you for the next 20, 25 to 30 years. And the interest is going to be through the roof. But that's maybe that's a different story for a different day. And uh, if you couldn't do that, he's going to put you in some slumlord apartment and he's going to get the rent. And back in the day, he's going to come and pick up the rent personally, right? So, you know, many of our mothers, we've seen that he was wicked. Right. Many of our mothers knew he was wicked. So she have uh, Jamal and him on the corner. And when Goldstein come and get the rent, he come pick up the rent. She have her grandsons, you know, Jamal and them be on that corner and we'll just whoop Goldstein ass and get the money back. And then it was a wash. Right. <laughs> 
but that small hat he went and got slick right because mama them knew he was wicked so what he did was he created the rental office where he don't pick up the rent no more you got to come bring him the rent you got to take it to him that's how rental offices was invented right in any event he figured out by being amongst our people that we don't have now we'll pay later so we needed a wash machine we needed a dryer we needed certain amenities to make life smoother and we didn't have the money so he got out of the supermarket business this is a small hat i'm talking about and he got into real estate and he got into the furniture business and then he began to do what he called credit you don't have the money now you can pay later and because he's in the credit business this is why the devil is so important to him because the devil is he doesn't mind building the jails and having the guns and being the being the muscle of the operation so they muscle our people into certain things the green light of muscling us into certain things is that see that's the character we play in his book we deserve that we deserve it you know what i mean it got our name all on it. Same thing with the sand nigga. See, you deserve it. They invented slavery with our people. Never forget it's the sand nigga that invented slavery with our people. It was him. It was him first. And then he kind of hides his hands. He puts his hand behind his back and he act like he had nothing to do with it now. But it's him. So it's just, uh, you know, people got to wake up, beloved. It's just where we at now. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out, man. It's Real Black Contest Fun Podcast. Beloved, Big VJ, man. I get it with you guys later. Peace.